Hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome back to an all-new episode of the Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast, the show that takes a deep dive into the world of 80s cartoons and all of the glorious insanity therein. My name is Randy. I am your host on this journey. And today, I am flying solo, so that means it's time for another top list. And we'll get into the list in a moment here, folks, but we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, the last you have done a top five list, um... But this week, I'm doing a top 10 list, so I'm doing a little extra content for you guys and a little bit longer list just to say thank you to everyone out there who has supported us and really been there and helped the show grow, and definitely that's what we need you all to do here, folks. Of course, we are on social media, at Geek World Order on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, of course, on Facebook, T Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast and Geek World Order have their own pages. And of course, you can go to geekworldorder.com for all the latest and greatest geeky content and media. Follow along for, you know, keep up with this podcast, keep up with the vlogs I put out. I'm doing a, a weekly vlog now, so definitely keep up with that. And of course, we're on all of the major podcast providers. Check us out on uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, uh, Stitcher, basically Spotify, if I didn't say that. So any major podcast provider, leave us a review, leave us a thumbs up and a heart and all those good things, a five-star review. All right, so this week we are doing a top 10 list, and we are looking at the top 10 sidekicks in 80s cartoons um so this was an interesting one to compile because as i was going through double checking looking at a bunch of lists online they're very heroes oriented like not one list i saw had a villainous sidekick which is weird because there are a number of them which you'll see from this list actually so i made sure to go and look kind of try to remember some of the 80s cartoons villains and who was associated with them who would kind of fall under the sidekick rule um so yeah so let's get into the list here um so coming in at number 10 is a zipper from chippendale's rescue rangers uh for those who are unfamiliar zipper is a fly He's the smallest member of the group, and really this is the only one of a group specifically that I put on this list, because most times he is portrayed as a sidekick to routinely Monterey Jack, but Zipper is one of the more versatile members of the team. Of course, he can naturally fly, he's super strong. Um, is very, very useful. Obviously, you can get into small spaces that the other, you know, the other rangers can't, and he's a really fun character. Uh, has a very high-pitched voice, very, uh, so, and he actually can talk, you just kind of forget it. And it's something I forget, and I've been re remembering as the entire series goes on and watching more episodes of it. Um... But Zipper is part of the Rescue Rangers team. It's just sort of how he's portrayed in the show. He does come off as a sidekick. But that's fine. He is definitely a great sidekick. Uh, 
and definitely a worthy addition to our list coming in at the number 10 spot. Uh, so coming in at number 9 is Janine from The Real Ghostbusters. And this was a kind of a hard pick to make because Slimer is kind of the one you think of all the time. And I get it, Slimer's cool, but Slimer is also very annoying. And, well, a lot of the hero sidekicks are super annoying. So you are not going to, so on those lists, you are not going to find characters like, you're not going to find Slimer. You sure as heck ain't going to find Snarf. Uh, you're not going to find Orko, because, well, there are better sidekicks in all of them. And those characters are all annoying. Plus, some of the other ones I have, I have better reasonings for them being on this list. But, see, for me, Janine, especially as an adult, Janine is a character I can really relate to. Uh, she's just, you know, this. she's the secretary of the Ghostbusters. And, like, many of us, that, you know, that go to work every day, Janine's just like, you know what, I've seen so many things, I don't even care anymore. Like, she, she really seems just to not care when she's at work. She's definitely there for the paycheck. Oh, man. But, really, Janine has sarcasm and, you know, fiery comebacks and all that good stuff that really just kind of make you, okay, there's a character I can relate to. But when the chips are down, she knows how to fire a proton pack. You know, she has been seen, you know, in situations where she's been fighting with, go you know, fighting ghosts alongside the Ghostbusters. Uh, it's very rare, but, you know, occasionally when things are needed, she gets things done. So she, she can pull her weight with the team. So that's definitely something we can appreciate a bit about Janine. Like I said, her... Her wit, her sarcasm, just kind of her blase fare. I've seen a lot of things really help add a dimension to the show that, you know, she's a good foil point to the main Ghostbuster team and no, not in a villainous way, but just kind of, you know, she can take their dumb, you know, whatever dumb things they say and just kind of fire it back at them and very much appreciate her presence on the show. Uh, so yeah, there's Janine Melnitz. She comes in at the number nine spot on our list. All right, so let's move on to number eight. And for as bad as this show can get, uh, Eric Raymond from Gem and the Holograms may be one of the best sidekicks available. Uh, of course, he is the manager of the Misfits. So he is one of the main villains in the series. So yeah, here's where we get into the villainous side of sidekicks. And he does a lot. He comes with, with a lot of plans. Because uh, part of his backstory is he used to own Starlight Music along with Jerrica. And eventually lost his part of the company. And basically he's driven by revenge. This guy is definitely a smooth operator. He's very calculated. He's very cold. He's able to come with evil plans. And a lot of times the plans that if he were to execute these plans by himself without the misfits, 
he'd probably have a better shot, you know, if he would just were the more public main villain instead of the misfits. But this guy, he's sort of like if you took Tomax and Zamot from G.I. Joe and their more executive side, how they run extensive enterprises and made them one person. That's sort of Eric in a nutshell. Very high class, very sophisticated. Uh, he got money behind him and is able to come up with some excellent plans. And of course, he's voiced by Charlie Adler. Great actor. Great, great voice actor. So, very cool. So, this guy is definitely a good pick there. Uh, so, that's why he's coming in at number seven on our list today. Oh, I'm sorry, number eight. We're now moving up to the number seven spot here. And for number seven, I pick Brain from Inspector Gadget. Now, a lot of you may be thinking, well, why wouldn't you pick Penny? She seems the more obvious choice. That's because she is the more obvious choice. She's also annoying. And I like Brain better. But also because, honestly, if it wasn't for the intervention that Brain provides, I really think Inspector Gadget would have died within like maybe three episodes of this series. There's definitely this weird thing of Gadget, Inspector Gadget definitely has some dumb luck on his side, but there's also a lot of Brain interjecting himself into situations where like if it weren't for him, Inspector Gadget would have just fallen off of cliffs or been completely murdered by the bad guys. So Brain is definitely an A-plus there. He definitely steps into the line of fire when needed. And yeah, he's definitely more hands-on. Definitely more so than Penny, who, I don't know, there's just something odd about that child. But, you know, Penny is a good side too, but honestly, she could really be the hero of this series, and to be fair, it would probably be a lot easier, because, like I said, I don't know how Gadget does it. The man should literally be dead. Multiple times over. Like, this guy should be, like, Kenny, mixed with... He's somehow Kenny mixed with Robocop. Like, I could definitely see, like, them putting... Actually, I probably... I wouldn't be... I'm a little more surprised they didn't come up with that plot line of him having to be, like, you know, rebuilt, like, every episode. That would definitely be something interesting, for sure. But, yeah, Brain and his assistants and his just... Making sure Gadget die, doesn't die. That's what brings him to, into the number seven spot on our list today. All right, so for the number six spot, we are heading back to the more villainous side of things. Um, we are looking at Hacker from the Centurions. Man, this guy is brutal. And really... Uh, Doc Terror and Hacker are both very brutal. Um, both, you know, half human, half machine. I know we've talked about it on this show a number of times. Like, 
they are ruthless in their plans. You know, basically most of Doc Terror's plans don't really involve conquering the world more as they involve destroying the world. And really, Hacker is pretty much on board with these plans. Like, you know, he's really following in that mindset of, you know, take no prisoners. Usually anytime he's trying to combat the Centurions, he's really ch almost trying to kill them. Because it's just easy, it would be easier to dispose of them instead of, you know, having to deal with them. Which is something a lot of these 80s cartoon villains don't seem to do. Like, they'll capture the bad guys, they'll torture them, you know, you'll get those Bond villain type of monologues. But Hacker is sort of the anti-sidekick. He's, he's like almost top tier for sidekicks, man. He is like almost loyal to a T, absolutely obsessed with his master's, you know, plan and vision, and is 100% behind it. And dude, that's kind of the thing you want from like your sidekick. They are your ride or die. They are behind everything you do 100%, no questions asked. And that's where Hacker comes in. Like he is just the villain version of this oh man so yeah hacker is definitely a strong contender here so that's why he comes in at the number six position and as we've completed the top half of the list we are gonna take a quick break right here uh, so i'll let y'all enjoy some commercials and we'll be back in just a moment hey kids play a game of baseball for that box of tricks okay rabbit tricks is a part of this team's nutritious breakfast Now's my chance to score with tricks, with my favorite fruit flavors. The lemon I leap for, the orange I reach for. One more hit, and tricks are mine! Mine! Oh, I always lose out on tricks. Silly rabbit, tricks are for kids. Tricks are for kids. Good nutritious breakfast. Now you can get fish and reduced sodium peanuts free in special mark boxes of golden grams. It's the Pop Boys Colossal Cosmic Set. They're silly, they're wacky, and they bent and posed like wacky, and they make a friendly popping noise. They're popoids. You can make them into rockets, into little popoid cars, or snap them all together, build a popoid van from Mars. With a rippling, tickling, popping noise. They're popoids. Oh, popoids. Colossal cosmic scent by Tommy. Donkey Kong brand cereal has a sweet, crunchy corn taste. And boy, is it fun to crunch. It's part of this complete breakfast. Kids, kids, you want to help get Donkey Kong? Give me a crunch. One more. Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong cereal. Crunchy barrels of fun for breakfast. You love the crunch. All right, and we are back. 
So we're entering the top half of our countdown. We've already gone through the six, the positions 10 through 6 of our countdown. And so now we're moving into the top 5 in... What better way to enter the top 5 in the number 5 position with a duo of sidekicks? And of course, I'm referring to the well-known duo from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Bebop and Rocksteady. These guys are your quintessential dumb goons. I mean, they were basically picked for the just horrible genetic experimentation by the Shredder because they were the dumbest and gooniest of the dumb goons available. Uh, but these are your classic, you know, villain sidekicks. They get kicked the crap out of all the time. They provide some comedic foil to both the Turtles and their Master Shredder, who Shredder himself could be listed as a, as a sidekick to Krang. Um, although neither particularly would like that relationship. But we're not going to call it that way because Shredder is recognized as one of the premier 80s villains. But technically, if you think about it, he is kind of a sidekick to Krang. But this is Bebop and Rocksteady. This is their entry in this list. They are just classic comedic foil. Um, and it's a formula that really gets worked on a lot. Um, to my mind, Cop, Pop, but Bulk and Skull from Power Rangers. They're very... They've got that dumb, bully kind of mentality. Bebop and Rock City, of course, Street Thugs. But that would probably be the closest comparison is to Bebop and Rock City would be Bulk and Skull. Because honestly, I think if it weren't for them being like street thugs or... And I think kind of a lot of the stuff they've seen with the Shredder and Krang. I don't know, man. I think if given the right circumstances, the Bebop and Rock City could be redeemed. Uh, I know it's a weird concept to think of, but I think there's a little bit of a shred of decency left in those two that you could extract somewhere. But no, these guys are very classic, and that's why they come in at the number five spot on our list. All right, so moving on to number four is Soundwave from the Transformers. So a lot of times you may think, you know, oh, well, Starscream was second in command to Megatron. So he would be kind of the de facto sidekick. But I think sidekicks need a certain amount of loyalty. And let's face it, Starscream is not loyal. Because we all know anytime Megatron stubs his toe or if he had some kind of robot version of a of the flu or a cold, Starscream goes, Megatron is defeated. I am the leader now. Whoa, there's Starscream. Megatron just stubbed his toe. He literally just went to bed for the night. You, you don't need to be declaring yourself leader of the Decepticons. Soundwave, though, is the loyal one. Loyal to a fault, absolutely 100% devoted to the cause. 
And wow. The, the difference between the two is night and day. Between Starscream and Soundwave. And let's face it, Soundwave is cool. That monotone voice, the the cassette robots that come out of them, just the overall air of power that Soundwave possesses. And he, really, he's the definition of a sidekick. Starscream is a backstabbing traitor who will take the leadership any chance he gets. Soundwave is cool with the cause. Soundwave fits the mold of a sidekick so much better. And an honorable mention, if you want to go stay within Transformers, would be Cyclonus in Season 3. He has very much that loyal, that deep respect and loyalty to Galvatron, even though Galvatron is absolutely bonkers and no one should follow him. Cyclonus still does to the very end. He will not... He will not sway, he will not swagger, he will not stumble. There is a sort of weird question about the relationship between Cyclonus and Galvatron. Because you wonder if Cyclonus may be in love with Galvatron. Or there's definitely some kind of a deeper connection for Cyclonus to Galvatron than there is to Soundwave to Megatron. Like, when I think Cyclonus and Galvatron, it makes me more think of Mr. Smithers to Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, okay? You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, you do. Ah, but yeah, no, Soundwave, man, absolutely cool. Just his presence, his aura, everything about him, his devotion to Megatron is what makes him a top-tier sidekick. All right, and he's the number four on our list. All right, so number three, this is going to be a bit of a, I would say a controversial pick because they do have a weird, this is a weird weird sidekick relationship. Uh, Although when you look at how the structure is, especially in the early series, it, he's definitely the sidekick here, but I'm referring to Destro from G.I. Joe. And you're going to say, Destro? Well, yeah. Obviously, Cobra Commander is the sidekick. Um, Now, you're going to say, but isn't it much more like the Megatron-Starscream dynamic? And I would say no. While Destro would certainly has voiced his opinions in contrary to Cobra Commander... And, you know, has even straight up told Cobra Commander that some that he's using the devices incorrectly. But I think overall, Destro is not specifically looking for leadership of Cobra for himself. While he may certainly look for individual power, he's still very happy with the money that he gets from Cobra in supplying their weapons, supplying their technology. Destro is more looking for power as a status symbol. He's looking for money and status and things like that. He isn't directly looking to lead Cobra, but you know he'll lead Cobra when needed as a field commander, leading missions against GI Joe. You know, except for that one time he actually he actively helped GI Joe because Cobra Commander was being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> 
But other than that, you know, unless it suits his purpose, he's still down for the overall mission of Cobra. But he's more looking for status and power. But really, the relationship between Destro and Cobra Commander is definitely a a sidekick master kind of thing. Cobra Commander is definitely the one in charge. He's the master. Destro is, by all accounts, second in command of Cobra, you know, when he wants to be. Uh, I know more, some of the comics, later medias, uh, the live action movies, you know, kind of presented him as more of an individual, you know, of his family weapons dealers. But overall, there's definitely a more interesting bond between Cobra Commander and Destro. It's very much definitely less backstabby than uh, Starscream to Megatron. But overall, Destro is a, another smooth operator. That beautiful, deep, silky voice provided by Arthur Burkhart. And Destro is just a great character overall. Got some great backstory behind him and his family history. So yeah, that's Destro. He comes in at the number three spot. All right, so number two on our list, we go to the world of DuckTales and Launchpad McQuack. Our lovable, goofy, naive, stupid, pilot, good old buddy Launchpad. Because, man, Launchpad is a loyal, loyal sidekick. He, of course, is uh, Scrooge McDuck's personal transportation services. Uh, Launchpad, of course, very much eager to go on the adventures with Scrooge and his nephews and Webby, and he's ready to fly and crash to their uh, desired destinations and locations. Of course, Launchpad always plays the sidekick role very well. He is goofy and lovable and you know he provides support reassurance to scrooge you know whenever scrooge is down he you know launchpad tries to keep the mood very light and entertained and something he does even in the new current ducktail series um the new series seems to have ratcheted up his stupidity just a little bit is a little more naive, a little more aloof, but we still love Launchpad. You know, he's golden. He's excellent. And he is the absolute definition of sidekick. He is definitely the ride or die. And uh, DuckTales has some other good relationships when it comes to the sidekick. He, you know you know, the sidekick leader dynamic. Uh, I do want to give an honorable mention to the Beagle Boys. Uh, they're just kind of generic thug sidekicks, but they, and it's a very interesting dynamic for them because it's a family dynamic because they're all the sons of Ma Beagle. But, you know, they're still great little villainous sidekicks, so wanted to give them a shout out for this verse, but, but Launchpad is really the MVP here. He's... A fantastic sidekick in the original series. Even to this new, you know, the DuckTales reboot of that started a couple years ago. He's awesome. They've absolutely continued to capture his spirit and his, you know, his lightheartedness, his lovability. 
his just overall desire to keep things light and you know keep the mood up when needed and launchpad has been very successful in a couple of different decades you know the current decade the 80s but he did get himself some life in the 90s as well um because of course after the end of ducktales they moved launchpad over as a main character on darkwing duck where he really fell into the sidekick role as being the sidekick to an, a superhero. And, you know, Darkwing Duck is our lovable, aloof, vain as heck, crime-fighting mix of Batman meets James Bond with a, just vanity and a little self-consciousness there. So much vanity. And really, Launchpad is just the absolute... His laid-back personality is the perfect yin to the yang of Darkwing. And and it's so awesome that a character like this gets so much love and respect and really nails the sidekick role. You know, multiple shows, multiple decades. And they've just managed to keep his character right He's got that perfect blend of, you know, charm and goofiness and this odd charisma that really help hold the series together. And really, any protagonist hero that he's put with is made better because of him. And it was really difficult to not put him in the number one spot. It was close, but I think there's just one character that, when I really deep dive and think about it, really is the exemplary number one sidekick. And, but I'm going to make you wait just a little bit longer, because you know our tropes here. We're building up our list. We're ready to get to the number one. And of course, we got to take a commercial break just to make you wait that little, little bit longer. All right, so we'll be back in just a moment, folks. Big prizes and lots of excitement when the stars of today discover the stars of tomorrow. Star Search, Sunday at 5 on Channel 2. There's only one, two. This is the legendary Bigfoot, one of the most awesome trucks ever built by man. Bigfoot goes anywhere, does anything. And now it's coming right at you, your very own Bigfoot. You add batteries, turn on the key, forward shift, reverse, four-wheel drive for power, two-wheel drive for speed, lights, action, the works. Go, Bigfoot, go. Bigfoot 4x4x4 from Play School. Applejack cereal from Kellogg's can be part of a nutritious breakfast. which you supply, it lumbers along, swinging its head ominously. 
which enables you to pretend it's either a creature from the prehistoric past or a futuristic monster machine. The Zoid Giant Zerk. Ferocious looking, yet it is safe, even in the hands of your little sister. <laughs> the Zoid Giant Zerk. You put it together by Tommy. Christmas music of all time. It's Disney's Christmas all-time favorites. All together, you get 20 classic Christmas songs. You'll hear songs like Frosty the Snowman. The Snowman was a jolly, happy soul. The Chipmunk Song. Oh, Christmas Tree. And look, you also get this Mickey Mouse Christmas poster. This offer is a TV exclusive, so order right now. Here's how. To order, send 998 for records, 1198 for tapes to Disney Santa. Box 6300, San Francisco, California, 94101. Or call 1-800-228-1200. That's 1-800-228-1200. Order today. All right, and we are back. And, of course, we're about to get to the number one on our list of the top 10 80s cartoon sidekicks. Uh, but just to review the list real quick, coming in at number 10 was Zipper from the Rescue Rangers. Number nine, Janine from the Real Ghostbusters. Number eight, Eric Raymond from Gem and the Holograms. Number seven was Brain from Inspector Gadget. Number six was Hacker from the Centurions. Number five, Bebop and Rocksteady from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number four was Soundwave from the Transformers. Number three, Destro from G.I. Joe. Number two, Launchpad McQuack from DuckTales. And coming in at the number one on my personal list of top 10 80 sidekicks is 3030 from Brave Star. Man, Brave Star is such an underrated cartoon, man. Uh, of course, you have Mar Marshall Bravestar himself. He's one of the absolute epitome of 80s characters really showing truth and virtue. Um, leading the series as a person of color, you know, a, he's a Native American, and just really strongly portrayed to an absolute win in the 80s. And... Around him is a awesome group of dedicated people, but dude, his horse. Obviously, you know he has a horse he rides on, which has the ability to transform from a regular horse into a horseman who can, you know, stands upright, speaks English, and that is thirty thirty. He is the definition of a ride or die. Like he does not question Bravestar because Bravestar has earned that respect. He shows the respect. He's earned it. You know, 3030 knows 
Bravestar knows what he's doing, is making right decisions, and will follow him in with his blaster ready. Um, 3030 kind of reminds me of Jane from Firefly, except not a mercenary. Like, if Jane were, like, a true good character, instead of this, you know, middle ground to borderline evil mercenary, you know, uh, Jane from Firefly, you know, he's sort of a, you know, he's a rapscallion with a heart, with, you know, with a more or less at heart good intentions. But 3030 is just sort of the opposite. He's absolutely has the best of intentions. He's good. Like, he will absolutely be there for uh, Brave Star. No questions asked. He knows what he has to do as the sidekick, as really as a close friend. And I think that's what sort of edges it out for for me is really the relationship between Brave Star and 3030. Because really, out of anyone on this list, these are the two that are the closest. These are these are brothers from other from other mothers. Like a lot of the villain psychic or hero psychics we've seen are that. There's a very fine line between them. Like Launchpad is an employee of Scrooge McDuck. You know, Destro and Cobra Commander aren't exactly best friends, you know. Bebop and Rocksteady aren't going to be seen at the bar with the Shredder. Or, you know, in the case of, uh, like, Eric Raymond, he's the manager. He's technically the boss of the Misfits. You know, Janine's an employee. I think when you really look at this list of the hero sidekick dynamics, Bravestar and 3030, they are more than hero and sidekick. They are best friends. And that's one of, I think that's why 3030 really takes the spot here is because not only is he a sidekick out of respect to Bravestar, you know, has Bravestar's back no matter what, or if for some reason Bravestar is making weird or bad decisions, he knows something's wrong and needs to act to correct that. But overall, 3030 to Bravestar, they are genuine, close friends. And when one is in danger or is missing, the other one genuinely feels sorrow. Because they've been through the trenches, they have a deep bond, and really... Just what they they display on screen through their relationship, how they talk to each other, how they treat each other. These two are absolute best friends. So that's why 3030 takes the number one spot on this list. All right, guys. So that has been my top 10 
animated sidekicks from the 80s. I hope you enjoyed this list. I know I enjoyed it. I enjoyed putting it together. I really, really had fun doing this one. Uh, of course, don't forget to like us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite you know, provider. Give us that rating and that review. And we'll see you next time, guys.